Well, hello, everybody. It's good to see you today. You know, I almost feel like we've open now the next chapter. When we when we started all this, uh, we were entering the Easter season, which I think we had like three Sundays of moving toward Easter. And gosh, now we're we're past Easter. And hey, here we here we still are on online and and looking at what we perceive to be a number of Sundays. Uh, still ahead of us. I'm, I'm sure glad you're joining and, and being a part with us in this way. You know, I want to mention something. J- Jordan mentioned back up at the top of the service uh, that w- we very much want to be praying for you. There, there's a lot going on, and it's affecting us economically. It's affecting our health. It's it's affecting mental health, physical health, spiritual health. I mean, it's it's a time that we want to be there to pray for one another. And I, I sure hope you feel comfortable and will take advantage of submitting. You, you Hey, listen, if you are friends with me on social media, a uh, friend on Facebook, Randall T. Hahn, not Randy Hahn, that's my son, but uh, Randall T. Hahn and... and uh, uh, Instagram, all those different things, man. Uh, you, however you want to message me, I want to be praying for you. If you t- use the app or what Jordan was talking about there, I'll be praying for you. Our staff will be praying for you as we walk through this time. Prayer makes a difference, and we want to be able to have that difference in your lives. So uh, we're, we're starting a new series today, and I feel like I've got to give you a context of why we're starting this series, or maybe why we're not starting this series. Um, this is something I've shared, I think, several times before. A lot of you will know this, but again, I want you to kind of hear a context. So uh, every year, usually in November, uh, I'm going to go away for several days and spend some time in prayer and planning what I'm going to preach on in the coming year. And and I'll go and get away and be alone with the Lord and I'll pray about, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at what I just did in the last year, what I've done in the last three years. I'm going to take time thinking about what God's laid on my heart in the last several months. Or I'm going to think about things you've asked me about, shared with me. Uh, and, and then, of course, I'm going to look at kind of what's going on in the world. And and then I just kind of take all that and I just lay it before the Lord and I say, hey, hey, Lord, what do you want me to feed your people from the pulpit in in the coming year? And uh, normally after working and praying for three days there or so, I'm, I'm going to get up and leave that time and I'll have the next 52 Sundays planned out. And uh, so I did that for the 17th year in a row this past November and had that week, that first week in November, right there, April 19, today, to start a new series on Revelation, a six-month series, 24 messages long. And you know, when I planned that, I had no idea what a COVID-19 was. I I didn't know we would be in the midst of almost a, a self-imposed economic collapse to, to fight a virus. Uh, I didn't know that there would be people literally looking around and thinking, is is this what the end of the world feels like? Is this is is this what's going to be going? I, di- I didn't know any of that. And, and I say all that to say starting Revelation today is not because, boy, I thought, hey, I need to capitalize on this end of the world feeling, this pandemonium and fear. Not at all. And I, I don't actually think it'd be wrong if somebody did that. 
But no, I'm starting Revelation today because God knew exactly where we would be on April 19th. He knew exactly what would be going on. And guess what? God has for us just what we need. And folks, God has given you and me the revelation, all of the scriptures on the end times for a reason. Boy, when we come to Revelation, we are are clearly talking about one of the most intriguing books of the Bible. So much information. I mean, 666, the Antichrist, the Lake of Fire, the Great White Throne Judgment, the the Tribulation. And on each one of these things, there'll be various ideas, interpretations, sometimes disagreement on what certain things mean and what what certain things are. Uh, I I mean, there's just so much going on there, all of it with a little bit of air of, of mystery to it. And and you know, one of the things that makes Revelation unique, it's the only book of the Bible that has a promise of blessing you for reading this book. Oh, you know what? I just did what I've heard so many people do before. Cut that verse short. There is not an offer of a blessing for reading Revelation. There's an offer of blessing for reading, hearing, and keeping. I'm guessing that word keeping is a big one. I think that's a very important part of this. So if I were to ask you, do you want the blessing that Revelation offers? I'm, I mean, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to assume you're going to say yes. Well, then we have to be thinking about what we're going to do, what we're going to keep. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of us have read Revelation before, maybe multiple times. What did you do in light of that? You know, I could... Uh, I could open up the book of Exodus and think, wow, I need, I need to keep the Ten Commandments. Or, or I could read the Psalms and think, boy, I need, to, I need to sing and give thanks. I need to praise the Lord. I, I could open up the Gospels and think, wow, I need, I need to follow Jesus. You, you read any book of the Bible. I mean, there's all kinds of commands, but there's always kind of this overarching, this is what I need to do. So what do you leave Revelation feeling like, knowing that you need to do? I, I think that is such an important question. And I think it's the maybe the bigger thing we're misinterpreting in Revelation. I actually don't think our big problem is on what you think 666 is or what I think it is or who the Antichrist is or what's the timing of all that. Folks, the biggest problem we have is that we go into Revelation and treat it as little more than a a, uh, a spooky book of information. Hey, you know, there's some spooky things in there <laughs> and there certainly is a lot of information in there, some of it unique to the, the book of Revelation. But but folks, God didn't give us the revelation just to spook us. He he didn't give it to us just to fill us with a bunch of academic knowledge. He gave us this book to move us. And in light of that, I want to do something kind of strange. I want to start today my series in Revelation by turning to another book other than Revelation. I That's kind of That's weird. I, I promise you I'm going to be in Revelation next week. Today is a part of the series. I want to use uh, uh, some writing by the Apostle Peter that God gave to him. And Peter, in 2 Peter 3, if you want to start turning there, you say, where is it? Well, turn to Revelation. <laughs> that's, 
That's kind of funny, isn't it? Turn to Revelation and back up a few books. Uh, Revelation, last book of the Bible, you start flipping back to the left and you'll go through Jude, a couple letters, several letters to John, and then you'll be in 2 Peter 3. But in 2 Peter 3, which is also on the end times, in 2 Peter 3, I think Peter really points us into the kind of heart and mind, the kind of attitude that we need if we're going to get that promise of blessing, if we're going to rightly interpret Revelation. So, so go ahead and, and turn there with me, if you will, to Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. Second Peter 3, verse 1. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, life just keeps right on going. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow. He is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. I mean, it is going to happen. He's patient, but it is going to come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness? And godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Folks, Jesus has promised that he's coming back. The angels have announced that he's coming back. The Father's plan is for Jesus to come back. But it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Have you ever been stood up? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing most of us have at one point or another. Think about that moment. Think about what you were thinking and feeling when you were starting to wonder if they were going to show up. I mean, the first few minutes, we might be, you know, like, I, I, I wonder if everything's okay with them. I hope, I hope, I hope nothing bad happened. And, and then maybe if we keep waiting, we'll, you know, I wonder, did, did I have the right time? Is, this is the right, I am where I'm supposed to be. Right? You'll, you'll start doubting yourself. 
Hey, hey, listen, wherever your doubts go, you're, you're gonna do one of two things. You're gonna doubt them or you're gonna doubt yourself. And doubt will then become the driver. And doubt will now lead, not faith, not trust that they're showing up, but doubt will guide what you do next. And, and what am I? What are you gonna do next? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on in and eat without them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back in my car and, and leave. I'm gonna go on and do something else. But boy, time steals, time steals our belief. Acts chapter one, verse nine. After Jesus has been resurrected, we celebrated that last Sunday. After he has appeared to a number of people over six, seven weeks, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. Gosh, had there not been a COVID-19, I would have been on the Mount of Olives just two weeks ago, but that got canceled. But Jesus was there on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and it was that last moment with them. And and in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, he ascends up to heaven. And and as he's ascending into heaven, it it says an angel appeared. (laughs) What y'all looking at? (laughs) That's what what the angel said. What y'all looking at? And and then the angel said, you know, just as you have watched him ascend, you're going to see him descend. That's right, Jesus is going to be coming right back, and he's going to touch down right there on the Mount of Olives. Just as you saw him go, he's coming back. Now, depending on how you date certain things and and how the calendar works, I mean, give or take a few years, we're going to date that around 33 A.D., which means that was 1987 years ago. Okay, newsflash, that's a long time. 1,987 years, that's long enough to think, is he okay? Did, did I miss something? Did, do I not have the right, the right details? 1,987 years is long enough to begin making us doubt what's going on here. And doubt will begin to drive how we live, how we, how we respond to this. And the truth of the matter is, It doesn't take 1,987 years. Peter is addressing this with a group of followers 30 years. After 30 years, they're saying, you know, I kind of got the impression he was going up and coming right back. I, I didn't think 30 years later we would still be waiting. And yet here we are 1,987 years later and waiting. Listen, folks, God has a plan. And the next thing on God's calendar, the next big event on God's calendar is the return of his son. And he wants you and me to trust in that, to to bank on that. He, he wants that to be so real in our lives that you and I are literally making daily decisions about how we act, how we respond, what we value, that we're making daily decisions based on that promise. And yes, God is aware that 1987 years will feel like a contradiction to his promise. And that's why he has given us the future and the details of the future. As a matter of fact, what 
what Peter just wrote here for us is three reasons. I don't think there's only three, but at least in this passage, three distinct reasons that God has given us the revelation, and our focus is going to be on the revelation. But there's there's material about this time period in, in humanity, in Ezekiel and Daniel and Thessalonians and the Gospels. I mean, there's a lot of passages about the return of the Lord, and God has given that to us for a reason. Peter gives us three of those reasons. The first reason God has given us the future, folks, is to help us battle our doubts. You'll, you'll notice in the passage there that, that Peter says in the last days there will be mockers. Now, the two words I think that jump out to us in that passage is last days. Boy, I, I, I think I get asked that question more times than I can count. Pastor, do you think we're in the last days? Hey, here's no real surprise. I've been asked that question multiple times recently. Do you think we're in the last days? And I will always respond, whether it was here recently or 10 years ago, we are absolutely 100% guaranteed in the last days, which I usually then get the response, really? Why? Why Why do you think that? You know, folks, I, I tell you, there, I've, I've heard preachers do this. I, I've heard some great songs do this. We talk about prophecies being fulfilled, the signs of the times, and, and that, you know, we're entering or we have just entered or we're in the end times. The problem with that is it makes it sound like we weren't before, but, but we now are because a prophecy has been fulfilled. I always want to say, name it. What what prophecy? Name one single prophecy that has been fulfilled that now says we're in the end times because there's not one. Now, don't misunderstand me, folks. There's tons of prophecies, but there's nothing that needs to happen for it to happen. Now, what, what do I mean by that? And, and folks, this is what we're going to spend six months studying. All this, we're going to develop each one of these details. Now, in my understanding, and I will present my understanding, I'll present several other interpretations, but the, the day of the Lord, the second coming, starts with the rapture. So there's a, a rapture, that is Jesus coming for the saints. We meet him in the air. And then we enter seven years of tribulation. And there are a ton of prophecies. We're going to be looking at a lot of them in Revelation of what goes on in that seven years. Okay. And, and then at the end of that seven years, it kind of culminates in Armageddon and the second coming. You see that phrase, the second coming has kind of two meanings to it. It can be a singular event that happens on a single day. Jesus coming for, uh, over here, rapture, Jesus coming for the saints, then Jesus coming with the saints. Okay, that can be a single event, but the phrase, the day of God, the, the day of the Lord, the second coming, also can kind of be an umbrella over a period of time. And so the second coming actually encapsulates a lot of events that, that take about seven years to bring about. Well, there's a lot of prophecy inside of the seven years, but there's no sign, there's no prophecy that needs to happen for the rapture to start it all off. That means Jesus could have come a thousand years ago. It could happen tonight. It could still be a thousand years away. 
You see, folks, if you think about it, and and I think a lot of you know this, and I hope I connect an important dot for you here. When, When you close the New Testament, you are led to believe, are you not, that Jesus could return at any moment. Well, if there was a series of signs and prophecies that had to happen first, well, then until those signs and prophecies happen, then I know he's not returning. You, you, you see, you see, there is no sign in prophecy. The rapture, which kicks it off, can happen at any moment. And then everything will come into place inside of those seven years. So the day or, or the last days is the time period from Jesus ascending into heaven to the time that he comes back. The last days is the time period in between the first coming of the Lord and the second coming of the Lord. So we've been in the last days, well, we know now, for 1987 years. And there, and therein lies the problem. I mean, just the phrase last days kind of creates a sense of urgency, a, a sense of any moment now. Well, 1987 years later, you're going, I don't think this is happening any, any, any moment now. And that's where Peter says, hey, you know what? There's going to be mockers. And, and, let, and let's be honest, time is a mocker. Peter's talking about people, and people do mock the idea. They do mock our faith in the return of the Lord. But, but time is a bit of a mocker. Time seems to suggest that this is not happening. And folks, that's exactly why God gives us the details of the future to battle those doubts. Listen, our faith that Jesus is returning is not based on a, hey, my friend heard that, that, that Jesus said he was coming back. And, and that's all we're holding on to is my friend heard that, that Jesus said he was coming back. Just one simple little line. We might think, well, who was your friend? I mean, are you sure you heard it right? What does he mean by come back? You see, we, we'd have all kinds of questions if we were just hanging on a simple sentence, a, a, a simple idea. But folks, that's not what God's given us. God's given us an incredible amount of detail. I mean, when you open up the book of Revelation, you're going to see a well-laid-out plan. This is not a random idea. Maybe we heard it, maybe we didn't. No, it's very, wow, this is, this is real, and this is going to happen. And that's why God gives us the future, to keep it real, to help us to realize this is an actual event that is coming. Now, we're still back at that 1987 years, and that's where, that's where Peter says, you know, the, the Lord is a little bit on a different timetable than, than we are. He experiences a thousand years like you and I experience a, a, a 24-hour time period. You know, to be honest with you, I don't find that that encouraging. It helps me understand, but thinks, well, then how long could it be? Because based, I mean, think about this, folks, based on what Peter just said there in verse 8, two days have passed for God since Jesus ascended into heaven. Well, that doesn't encourage me very much. Again, but it helps me understand. So God has given us the future so we have details that we can anchor to, that we can see the the, the realness, the concreteness of this event. A second reason that God has given us the future, folks, is to warn us. You know, in verse 8, he says, now, now listen, uh, you, you know, it, it's it appears to you it's taking a long time because God's on a little bit of a different time frame, a different schedule than we are. He experiences time differently. But then he, he gets to verse 10 and he says, you, you, you know, you actually need to be careful about wanting this to get here. God's not actually being slow. 
He's being patient. He's being patient. Folks, do you realize that what is coming is absolutely catastrophic? And you and I have no concept of how bad that is. Now, that's, that's that's a bold thing for me to say in the world we're living right now. In, in a COVID-19 world, something that has impacted almost every nation on earth, that has impacted every American in one way or another. Folks, I'm going to suggest to you that COVID-19, and I'll, I'll toss in 9-11. I mean, that was only 20 years ago. I mean, you and I are living at a time in history where we've seen some pretty big things. 9-11 and COVID-19 won't even make the news. During during that seven-year time period, those two events would not even make the news. They won't even be noteworthy. That's how unimaginable this time is coming. Now, let me give you like some hard data on that. Folks, we're coming up on, uh, uh, I think we're a little over 2 million people have gotten COVID-19. Have not have died. 2 million people haven't died. 2 million people have gotten it. Well over 90% of them have, have recovered and, and are fine. I mean, they've gone right on. But over 2 million people have gotten it. Folks, during the tribulation, you have two events. Two, and we're going to study all these. We are going to have two events where over half the world's population dies in a single event. You have a whole lot of other events where multitudes of people die. It's it, In some places, it's a little bit hard to do real accurate math, but the best I can tell, somewhere along the lines of 2 million people a day, on average, for seven straight years, will die. Look at how 2 million people getting sick has turned our world upside down. And that's spread out over now what? Three, four, well, maybe even five months. Imagine two million people dying a day. That's why I say we we have no concept of what the tribulation holds, and we're we're going to develop more of that and understand that. But folks, what is in front of us? As a matter of fact, verse ten ends by saying it, the the world's going to be disclosed or exposed. It means we're going to be laid open for total destruction. Now, we're being shown that as a warning, as as a warning to do what? Well, what does it say there in verse 10? You know what, God, and it says this in multiple places. It's such a shame on us that we picture God as, as angry and waiting to get somebody. God says over and over and over that he takes no joy in judgment. It says here, I don't want to see anybody come into this judgment. I don't want to see anybody come into this catastrophe. I want to see people repent. And so God is being patient. Now, what does that mean? It means, folks, that up to today, 1987 years later, God has been patient. He's not being slow, but that patient will come to an end. And it's not because God will grow impatient. It's because God has his patience for a purpose. And there will be a day when patience has served its purpose, it's done, and we will move on into the rapture and tribulation. Well, if that was to happen in the next five seconds, some of you are heading into that catastrophe. I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm talking to a camera. I, I, I'm not singling anybody out. I, I know right now we probably have 
2,500, 3,000 people that are watching. And I, I, I assume, I trust, I believe that many of us will be raptured in that moment, but not everybody, not, not everybody listening right now is a, is a follower of Christ. Not everybody has placed their faith in Him. And God is being patient with you to come to that place where you'll repent. So if it happens right now, you didn't heed the warning. If it, if God will wait 15 minutes, see, if God will be patient for 15 more minutes, then you, maybe you're the last one. You're, you're the last one that his patience is waiting on. What does it mean to repent? I think it means to come to the end of yourself, to stop trusting in your goodness, your knowledge, your understanding of who God is, what God is, how you're going to live, what's right, what's wrong. You come to the end of yourself and you recognize, I cannot rescue myself out of sin, death, and hell. Maybe you say, well, I'm not even sure I believe in sin, death, and hell. That would be correct. You don't believe because you're rejecting what God has said. And God is being patient for you to come to the faith that he has said there is sin, there is death, and there, there is hell. And that is your future. But Jesus has moved to the cross so that you could be rescued. That's what salvation, that's what being saved means, to be rescued from your sin and, and the consequence of that sin, death and hell. You can be rescued from that. Romans ten thirteen says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. You're, you're a whoever. You say, well, what, what, what am I calling? What am I, what, what am I saying? Well, Romans 10.9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, that means we really believe he's God. And from here on out, he will decide what is right and wrong. He will decide what I should do and where I should go. He'll decide what my priorities and passions are. He's God. Whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? It means I'm no longer trusting in me. I'm now putting all of my faith, my confidence, my trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you do that, Jesus, it's not me, it's you. I put all my faith, my confidence in you. I am a sinner in need of you. It's not magic words. However you would call out to Jesus right now, he will save you. He's been patient for 1,987 years to get to this moment that you would call out to him. God's given us the revelation so that you would repent, so that you would call out. And that leads right to our, our last reason that God has given us the future. That second reason was for all those who do not follow Christ, to be warned of what is coming and that this is real and you need to come to the Lord. There is a consequence for rejecting him and rejecting his word. But many of us watching right now have had that place in our life where we have come to the Lord. We've trusted in the Lord. The third reason that God gives us the future is for those who are following Christ, that it would impact, it would affect how I live today. You know, Peter says there that there's three things that, that looking at the end times should affect. It should affect my holiness, my godliness, and my eagerness. Holiness is my position. Godliness is my personality. Eagerness is my passion. Holiness. Holy means separate. I am separated from the world and separated unto 
God. What does that mean? I still live in the world. I can still get viruses in this world. What does it mean to be separate from the world? It means I no longer take definitions from the world. I no longer take right and wrong from the world. I no longer take my priorities and values from the world, my directions from the world. I am separated unto God. All of that comes from him now. God sets my agenda, sets my priorities, sets my values, sets what is right and wrong. I am separated unto him, holy unto him. Every time I read something about the end times, I should want to be more holy, more separated unto him. Secondly, we're to be godly. That's our personality. Godliness is being like Jesus. I mean, that's pretty much it. It's, it's having the personality of Jesus, the, his, his patience, his love, his wisdom, his passion for the Father. It's having the personality of Christ. Every time I read the Revelation, I should want to be more like Jesus. And it's an eagerness. It's an eagerness. There becomes more and more in my life a passion for the Lord's return. You know, many of us watching right now absolutely believe that Jesus is coming back. That doesn't mean it's our passion. I mean, I mean, it just doesn't. And, and, and folks, here's the proof that it's not all of our passions in the fact that we don't even think about it that much. I mean, I, you know, I think about it when the pastor's preaching at it, preaching about it at church, I, I think about it because somebody was talking about the, the end times and, and is this virus a sign of that? You know, we'll hear different things that, oh, you know, it'll make us think about it. And well, boy, I believe and, and that's my hope. But folks, how much do we believe and how much do we hope in something that we rarely think about? So why has God given us the end times? So we can, we can keep it in front of us. And it, and it stays real and it becomes our passion. You know, something I started doing uh, probably 10 years ago now, every single day when I pray. And you think about when we're praying, you know, I'm, I'm praying for myself or for you or, you know, my family, you know, hey, would you give guidance here? Would you give uh, healing here? Would you protect? Would you provide? And I'm praying those things because something's missing, something's wrong, something's broken. And I'm looking for God to come fix, to come correct, to, to help it be okay. Do you know, folks, that every prayer request you've ever prayed is ultimately answered when Jesus returns? Every prayer, doesn't matter what you were praying for, it ultimately, whatever was behind that need, whatever was behind that brokenness, it is finally resolved, it is finally fixed when Jesus returns. And so I've, I, I just, I say my prayers about people and then I say, and Lord, help me to remember that these prayers are answered ultimately when you return. So may I desire nothing more, because what do our prayers represent? Our desires. May I desire nothing more than your return. And, and, and you know how I got to praying that? By keeping revelation. And, and again, other end time passages in front of me, we got to keep it in, in front of us. So folks, all of that means that when we close revelation, wow, cool. Well, that was weird. Boy, that was scary. That's not really what God was shooting for. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't the response God was aiming at when he gave us revelation and all of the prophecies in scripture about the end times. They were all given to affect and impact our lives. Folks, literally every single Sunday in this next six months, we should 
close our Bible, we should finish that message and we should be thinking, what decision, what action, what commitment do I need to do? Do I need to beef up? Do I need to to correct? We should be moved to action. Do you know why? Because this is going to happen. It is real. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all this information. We hadn't even started yet, Lord, but we just thank you ahead of time for what we are going to learn. And Lord, I pray you will guide us into accuracy, to truth, to right interpretation. I pray you'll guide me, Lord, in what I feed, what I, what I give to your people. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for every one of us, Lord, that we can have that blessing, the blessing that comes with reading, hearing, and keeping. Oh, may we move, be moved to keeping. May we be moved to obedience every single message. Oh, Lord God, we, we give you these six months and our devotion to understanding what you have communicated to us. Bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week as we actually open up Revelation.